Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study on Wednesday nights for all of those who are not able to be with us at the building and for those who are listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. Now, those of you in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ on Wednesday evenings, every Wednesday evening at 6.30 for Bible classes. It's a great time in the middle of the week to stop and get our spiritual batteries recharged, so to speak. And we encourage you to come and get to know us, let us get to know you, and study God's Word together and grow spiritually together. We want to encourage you to do that. Now, those who are listening in other parts of the world and the country, we are thankful that you're there. We're thankful to be able to broadcast God's Word over the medium of the Internet through these podcasts, and in that way, help people far and near be able to learn about God's will for their lives and the hope and offer and promise of salvation to all who will come to him through Jesus Christ in God's way, repenting of their sins, confessing their faith in Christ openly, and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of their sins. We want to help you along that line. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us through our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the email link. You can contact us that way. Or if you're in the United States, you can phone us at 402-498-8397, 402-498-8397. Now, while you're at our website, churchofchrist.com, click on the podcast link and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. When you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, and a daily Monday through Friday radio program called Search the Scriptures. But in addition to that, you will receive a seven-day-a-week short Bible class only about 13 minutes every single day, so easy to work into your daily schedule and routine called Today's Bible Class. What great opportunities for you to study God's Word, to learn more about His will for your life, and about how He wants to, you, wants to help you come to Him and be with Him forever in heaven. Share these opportunities with everybody you can. Now, while you're at our Bible, at our website, you can also download and listen to hundreds of, ra- uh, I'm sorry, of sermons, and also download and study through and read hundreds of scripturally based and spiritually focused articles. It's all there for you for free and always will be free. So churchofchrist.com. And if you're in the Omaha area, come and be with us in person. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street. We hope to see you and meet you and hear from you soon. We're going to get back into our study of Second Peter. We have spent considerable time in this short three-chapter letter from the Apostle Peter to all mankind. He was guided to write what he wrote by the Holy Spirit, and oh my, how it is filled with instruction and information and encouragement from the throne room in heaven to mankind here on this earth through the penman, Peter himself, as he was guided by the Holy Spirit to write God's exact words. Now, we're coming really close to the end of this particular study. 
but we've been taking really over the last several uh, weeks together, we've been looking at basically one verse at a time because each one of those particular verses carried such information and instruction and hope for us. And so we spent most of one particular session on verse verses eight and nine, and uh, then another on verse 10, another on verse 11. And here we are in verse 12 today. Now, let me go back and read again the first several verses of chapter three. Peter is confronting scoffers, people who are criticizing, ridiculing, exhibiting a lack of true faith in God and in Christ by saying, okay, Christianity, you're teaching that, that, that Jesus, the Savior, is coming back to judge mankind uh, one day at a time we don't expect. When's that happening? Yeah, everything's been going on normal for all these years. Now, Peter was writing this letter just vert, you know, you know, basically within a few years after Jesus ascended back to heaven following his death on the cross, his entombment, and then his resurrection from the grave. We're talking about only a matter of maybe a decade or two, and that would be about it. And there are already scoffers challenging this teaching that Jesus is coming back on a final day of judgment to judge mankind and God is going to destroy the world through fire at that particular time. Well, things have not changed. It's been almost 2,000 years now, and the scoffers are all over the place. But at the same time, there are people who are truly faithful to God and truly and sincerely believe the promise that Jesus is coming back on that final day of judgment. They're looking for him to do so. I fear, though, that a lot of, for, for a great many of us, if not the vast majority of us, we're probably not paying enough attention to being ready for that day because it's going to come, as Jesus said, a thief in the night. And that's not putting a negative connotation on it. He's simply saying at an unexpected time for humanity and most of humanity. But those who are true Christians ought to be looking forward to that day and be ready for Jesus to come back at any time. Now, in verses 8 and 9, Paul, uh, Peter was saying to the scoffers, look, you're trying to put a finite timeline on when God is going to send the Lord back on that final day of judgment, and time has no meaning for God because he's eternal. So a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day to him. But he was saying, now again, as I've emphasized, he's not saying a thousand years is a literal day to God. He could have used 10,000 years or 5,000 years or 20,000 years. The point he's trying to make is time has no meaning for God because God is eternal without beginning, without end. And then in verse 9, Peter went on to point out that God is giving us time. You're, you're, you're scoffing, maybe even complaining, ridiculing that the Lord hasn't come back already. Peter says, God's, during this time of waiting, God's giving humanity time to come to their senses, to learn the gospel message of salvation, and to repent of their sins and come to God through Christ for forgiveness and salvation. In verse 10, Peter then he shifts somewhat, and he said, now, God's given us time, verse 9, 
In verse 10, he says, but the day of the Lord is coming. And again, as a thief in the night, the heavens are going to pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And so that day of judgment is coming. In verse 11, then he uses logical reasoning, and he says, since all these things will be dissolved, in other words, this day is coming. Judgment is real. It will happen. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? In other words, how shouldn't you, since you know this is going to happen, you better be ready, shouldn't you? Shouldn't you be paying attention to how you're living your life? Paying attention to your faithfulness and dedication and commitment to God through Jesus Christ? You need to be ready, always. Now, in verse 12, where we'll pick up today, he's, and it's really a continuation of verse 11. So verse 11, going back to verse 11, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, in other words, this earth will be destroyed, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? You really need to be paying attention to your spiritual lives, to be ready every day, any day, all the time for that day to come, for that event to take place. Jesus appears, the world will be destroyed, and all mankind will be called before to stand before him in judgment, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. Now, in verse, verse 12, Peter moves on with this thought, looking for and hastening the day, uh, the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire. And there again is another reference to how God will bring this world to an end. He brought it to an end, basically, in Noah's day through flood, the flood of waters all over the earth. Now, the next time it will be through fire. Fire being a symbol of judgment from God. And so, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. And so, this world will be burned up. I remember a story. I've used it as by way of illustration many times in uh, teaching and preaching about um, a preacher who was... I believe speaking in a gospel meeting, revival kind of, of setting with a congregation of the Lord's Church many years ago. And one of the members took him home with him for lunch one day, and that, that particular Christian had apparently a, a, a huge ranch, a huge uh, piece of property, and he even had a helicopter. And so while the preacher, the visiting preacher was there, he took him up in his helicopter and showed him all over his property, all over his ranch. And after doing that for a while, he asked the preacher, well, what do you think? And the preacher responded, and I'm sure it was not what the, the owner of the property expected. The preacher said, I think it's all going to burn up one day. <laughs> well, he was pointing out that this is physical, this is temporary because this is of this world. Now, you've got a great place here, perhaps, but this is not where you ought to be placing your feeling of security. You need to be ready for heaven, for eternity, because this world is going to burn up one day. And so in verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. This world, this physical earth, will not survive that day of judgment. 
it will be destroyed. Humanity upon this earth will come to an end. The result of that day and our standing before the Lord in judgment will be for each one of us either heaven or hell. That's it. We need to understand that clearly and not listen to a lot of sugar-coated, beating around the bush, teaching and preaching from really soft soap peddling preachers, supposedly, of Christianity. You need to understand, we're talking about a final ending of what this earth is, what this world is, and humanity's existence upon it. So looking for, now, this world is going, to be, is going to come to an end. Judgment is coming. The Lord is coming back. We must all stand before him at that judgment. But Peter says we need to be not only ready for that day, but we need to be looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. This is something that we have a difficult time with as human beings because we've lived our entire life in a physical body in a finite existence with beginnings and with endings. And we experience, by God's blessings and grace, the goodness that he bestows upon humanity and upon this world uh, as we live this physical life. So we understand food, we understand sun, we understand the beauties of the seasons, we understand all the blessings that God blesses us with through human existence on this earth. But Peter is trying to get across, there's going to come a time when God's going to say, this is the end. Now, I think, I think, now you're talking about now Gary's personal belief here, and that plus three and a half dollars or so will buy you a cup of coffee most anywhere. But I I think based on what we understand from why God created, uh, why God destroyed the world in Noah's day, that that was because that humanity had become so thoroughly, completely wicked and ungodly that God brought an end to mankind. I believe that's going to be the, his reason, the reasoning behind why he does it again on the final day of judgment, and that'll be through fire. Now, when God destroyed the world through water, The earth, the world, still existed, and God removed the waters, and the dry land appeared, and it was inhabitable again. This time, it's going to be destroyed through fire. And I I think it's going to be again because humanity will have become so wicked, so ungodly, on such a continuous basis, that God will say, time's up. It's time to destroy all of this. Now, what God does after that is up to God, and we're not really told, except that we will be with him in heaven if we have lived the righteous, godly, faithful life before him while we were still alive on this earth. But those of us who are truly focused on getting to heaven, living the faithful life, Peter says we ought to be looking for that day. We ought to be praying, Lord, come quickly. Because 
what God has prepared for us in eternity in heaven far surpasses any of the beauty and glory and goodness, good experiences that we experience on a human level on this earth, in this physical life. Interesting, interesting. Now, so we ought to be looking for and hastening that day. Now, again, because we're human and we're used to a finite existence and all of the elements that go along with living the physical life in this world, it's difficult for us to think about, well, Lord, come quickly. Let's bring this to an end. Take us, take us home to heaven, those of us who are your true followers, faithful followers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, the Apostle Paul wrote about this as well. He said, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Looking forward to that day, yes, waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we can be found ready, blameless, living godly, faithful lives before him. We look also along this line in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. Philippians 3 and verse 20. And once again, the apostle Paul writes about this reality and that our need, not just our need, but our hope, our promise that we can look forward to that day and even look forward to it with with expectation and, and praying, God, bring it quickly. In verse 20 of Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes, for our citizenship is in heaven. Now see, again, we're so connected with life in this world that I think we have a difficult time fully grasping, completely wrapping our minds and our lives around the understanding that this is only temporary here. And we should be focused primarily in the way we live our lives on a daily basis on getting to heaven. That's where the greatest happiness, joy, blessings, and fulfillment will be realized. So verse 20 again, Philippians chapter 3, our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to even to subdue all things to himself. Oh, my. A new body? How many of us would not love to have that? No more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more dying, no more struggling to get around physically because of some uh, physical impairment. A new body. What kind of body? A spiritual body. We look forward to that. We, we look forward to being with our Lord and Savior and our God and Father in heaven for all of eternity. In Colossians chapter 1, in verse 13, once again, the Apostle Paul addresses this same expectation, this same forward-looking in our lives, and in our physical lives, to our eternal life in heaven. In Colossians, in, in Colossians 1 and verse 13, 
he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Oh, again, not kingdom of this world, but the kingdom of the son of his love. Our citizenship, ultimately, our true citizenship and ultimate citizenship is in heaven, is in heaven. And so our, our focus in life should not be primarily upon our existence in this world, but it should be on what God has waiting for us in heaven. If we will live a faithful and dedicated life to him consistently here in this world, we look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 23, and once again, the apostle Paul, not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. In other words, Paul is saying, we are groaning, we, we want to be there with God in heaven. We're looking forward to that time when physical life will be transformed into eternal life. And we can be in heaven with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit forever and ever. I want us to look at one more text of scripture along this line, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I want us to look at the first eight verses there. This is a longer text, but it addresses this same understanding, this same encouragement, and gives us the same direction as to, as to how we ought to be focused as we continue to live our physical lives in this world. Beginning with verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for we know that if our earthly house, and that's metaphorical language, our body in other words, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He's talking about a new body. Also, he's talking about a new home. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. Remember what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20? When we get to heaven, we're going to be transformed with a new body. This old body is going to be done away with. We're going to be given a new body. And whatever home we had here in this world, as glorious as it might be from the perspective of the ways of this world, oh, it's not even going to begin to compare, not even a glimmer of comparison to what God has waiting for us in heaven as an eternal reside. So, in this we groan earnestly. Again, the desire, not just, not just the thinking about it, but the desire earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality, physical life, in other words, may be swallowed up by life, eternal life. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Oh, 
we may be living and we should be living a faithful, godly life as dedicated Christians before God, but this is not our ultimate reality that we ought to be looking toward. That will be in heaven, eternal life with him. So we are always confident that while we're at home in the body, this physical body, we're absent, and the thought is we're still absent from the Lord. We're not there with him yet, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Oh, how God may bless us bountifully in this physical life. Oh, and that's wonderful, and we're thankful. We should be thankful beyond end for all that God blesses us with in this physical life. But oh, he has so much more waiting for us in eternity, eternal life. And we ought to be looking forward for that, desiring it, longing for it. Now think about the groaning. Young people at times, and being a gospel preacher for many decades now, I have officiated at funerals for literally all ages. We think about physical death as being for people who are in their elderly years, but then we realize, well, yeah, but yeah, but I know somebody or somebody in the family, they were only in their 60s or maybe only in their 50s and and they died some way or another. But I've officiated at funerals for newborns, little children, young mother, young people, over and over and over again, all ages, basically. Death is a reality of physical life in this world. But think about all of those people, and it's not always just those who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, who struggle with virtual continual pain over some part of the body that maybe is wearing out, or maybe there's some illness that is something they're dealing with for years on end, and they continue to struggle with having to live a life around that illness. That's physical reality. But in heaven, there will be none of that. And so the person, and this, this is something we hear about continually, the person who goes through all of that and gets into their elderly years and they find themselves with daily continual aches and pains and, and maybe, maybe uh, health conditions that they have to continue to deal with and take medication for but still feel the effects of to one degree or another on an ongoing basis every day. Oh, that those faithful Christians, those who are faithful Christians, so many of them, they'll, they'll tell you, it's, it's time for this to end. I'm ready to go be with the Lord. And so there is the illustration of groaning for that day when we can be with God in heaven, for that day when God will send the Lord on that final day of judgment and bring this physical existence, this physical world with all of its wickedness, evil, unrighteousness, ungodly living, but also with all of its physical infirmities, health problems, handicaps, dying, 
and death itself, all of that will be done away with. What great instruction, what great encouragement, what great images the Apostle Peter portrays for us in these verses. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us so much. Oh, and you just bestow your love upon us so continually and in so many ways. Thank you for all your blessings that you bestow upon us in this world, in this physical life. But the greatest blessing of all is salvation through Jesus Christ, rebirth spiritually, and our ability to look forward with anticipation and confidence to all of the blessings, all of the bliss, all of the wonders that you have waiting for us throughout eternity with you in heaven. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Help us to keep our focus on that promise, on that reality. And Lord, send your son quickly. Please forgive us, gracious Father. Help us to always be prepared. Guide us in your will always. In Jesus' name, amen.